Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 148 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And we're here today, and big things in the history of film have happened I mean, during this week. whatever could Very you mean? Very serious. I mean, I know the Academy Awards were recently, but I don't know if that's what you're talking about here. Bigger than that, Jacob. Bigger than? Bigger what than could it possibly? What, what do you got? What you got for me? So, Citizen Kane is no longer the highest rated, greatest film on Rotten Tomatoes. No, oh, Gremlins finally beat it, huh? <laughs> it, it finally saw the light. You wish. But no, it was usurped by obviously a film that must be an exceptional classic. Of course. I mean, how else could you beat Citizen Kane, the quote-unquote greatest movie ever? And that would be Paddington 2. <laughs> oh, well, well, you know what? There you go. You just you just explained it perfectly oh. in like two seconds. And you love Paddington. I, I you know, I didn't like the, the books, but man, that first movie was adorable, and this, that second one is just great. Holy cow. Did Watched you? it again last night, and truly every moment is heartwarming. You sit there, and you're just smiling and laughing, and like, this is the silliest, greatest thing. Yeah, like, look at this little bear wearing a little raincoat, <laughs> walking around, doing stuff. There was some backstory that I was not aware of. So what really happened, though, is I'm not sure how the, you know, a logarithm works for Rotten Tomatoes, but they pull reviews from other sites. That's how they get their aggregate score. And they ended up pulling one for Citizen Kane that is 80 years old. And it was not favorable. I mean, how much you want to bet that it was? If you look at it, it's from like a William Randolph Hearst newspaper. And they're <laughs> like, hey, just, just say the movie's terrible. Doesn't matter about the real thing. That's true. So it, it bumped it down. It's just it's just really funny. At the same time, I'm like, it always just shows you how meaningless all of these things yeah, are. Yeah, it's all completely subjective. I mean, you say Kids and Kane is the number one on the Rotten Tomatoes list. And then IMDb has Shawshank Redemption as the best, as like the most popular movie of all time. So who even knows? I What's would pick on? Shawshank over Citizen Kane, no lie. I agree. I watched Citizen Kane again recently. Still good. I don't know, greatest no movie Shaw- ever. It's no Paddington 2. Yeah, it's no Paddington 2. <laughs> I was like, there is a serious lack of uh, weather-appropriate bears in this movie, and I <laughs> do not like it. Okay, fantastic. But speaking of kind of um, irrelevant movie-related things, <laughs> the Oscars were last week. Yeah, they certainly were. Yeah, I mean, they're working with what they got. I didn't hate it as much as everyone else, but I didn't really enjoy it. I was like, please show the clips of the movies. That's the best part of the show. Well, you know, Michelle, when I was young, my first memory of movies was when me and my father went to go. How many times do I got to hear that same speech, dude? I I heard it at least 10 times. I sit there and I'm like, is there something wrong with me? I have no idea What's the first movie I saw in theater? I don't even have a guess. Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> what kind of sociopath would remember that? I probably went when I was like three or four. Like, what, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like they really took the humor out until Glenn Close danced to debut, but everything else is too serious. And it didn't feel fancy enough nope. for the Oscars. So, but there were still some good wins. Um, there were good films nominated. There were. Like, that was the problem. It's like, there was good stuff. Like, all four uh, acting winners this year, fantastic job on all fronts. Even the Best Picture winner were all great, but 
It's just something missing with the ceremony itself this yeah, year. Yeah, everybody know. felt that. But so the big win um, would have been Nomadland, which that's Chloe Zhao's um, film. She won for Best Director. And then Frances McDormand won for Best Lead Actress. And then, of course, the film won Best Picture. I mm-hmm. was okay with that. I kind of thought Carrie Mulligan maybe gave a stronger performance in Promising Young Woman, but I was not bummed about Francis yeah. winning. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan will be there again. It's like her second or third nomination. I'm and sure she'll win it eventually. And Francis should just keep winning it because she is great. She's This is a, a national treasure for sure. Oh, absolutely. And looking forward on her filmography, she might be winning another one in like a year or two. So we will we will see on that. Oh, you always have the inside scoop, I Jacob. do. Well, did you hear what her, her next movie is? No. She is doing Lady Macbeth with Denzel Washington as Macbeth, directed by Joel Cohen. I'll so, forget it. There so it you can just write, you might as well, well chalk, send them both put those two. There. Yeah, just put them both on the list right now for it. Wow. So we were figuring, you know, we talked about it. We're like, you know, who's the greatest is Francis McDormand. Barely has a miss. Mm-hmm. Always a strong performance. Usually really interesting films. Yeah, obviously, we're going to do a Frances McDormand episode. She's definitely one of my top five actresses right now, too. Oh, I mean, you see her you know, see her name in a movie, you know you're getting at least one fantastic performance. It's really true. Thing. It's really true. You never have to be disappointed with her. So yeah, It's weird, because usually in actors, you could be like, well... Hit or gonna, miss. Yeah, they're going to like phone it in this week. Even DiCaprio, it's like, eh, he might get a, a stinker in there, but McDormand always delivers. Yeah, definitely. So she was born Cynthia Ann Smith. Really? Real change How there. did they get to... Uh, hmm. Well, I'll, I, I'm going to explain it to All you. Right, good. I, you that's why I stopped. I'm like, wait, I'm sure Michelle covered this. She was born on June 23rd, 1957, and she was adopted when she was a year and a half old and then renamed Frances Louise McDormand. Oh, well, there you go. That it was an easy it. explanation. And then after studying uh, theater and in... She received a Master of Fine Arts degree from the Yale School of Drama. You know, she really pretty quickly made a name for herself on stage and then in film and television. And, you know, when you think of her, you can think of like a million things. You're like, oh, you have a free-spirited mom, Mm -hmm. a strict mom, Mm -hmm. an abused wife, a boozing adulteress. We've got a mousy governess and a strong-willed nomad now. Like, she just covers all of it. Oh, I mean... Literally any kind of role for a woman. I mean, she's even appeared in a Transformers movie, so that's how you know you got range if you can be in a Michael Bay movie and still get Oscar nominations. It's really true. I mean, and her talent for deadpan delivery, I think, is one of the most expressive faces in the industry. She definitely has an expressive face, like and, absolutely. And on you that. really felt that in Nomadland, like even if there wasn't dialogue, you were getting so much of the character just from looking at her. Oh, absolutely. I mean. She has, like, one of the problems I have sometimes with Hollywood actresses is a lot of them wear too much makeup, so you don't really get details or anything in their performances. That's it's kind of washed out. Frances McDormand doesn't care about wearing makeup in No, I think they put very little on her in films, and she wears none in, in real life. So it, like, it lets you see, like, you get little minor facial tics that you might lose in other performances. That's a, that's a really good call that I hadn't that I hadn't thought of. And yeah. they, they become kind of more complex and... And, and diverse and over the past 40 years 
you know, there's a reason that she's earned so many accolades mm-hmm. along I mean, the way. People love her. Like, like you said earlier, comedy, action, drama. She can do any kind of role you need her to do. And all her speeches, I feel like I'm always excited when she wins because I'm like, well, she's going to do something interesting. Like this year when she howled like a wolf, you're like, all right, Francis, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, so in 1984 is when she made her film debut. In the movie Blood Simple. Oh, love that movie, dude. That's a very important movie for many reasons. I figures that has to be on your list oh, that you, we're going to talk about. Oh, oh, you bet it is. Okay, and this is the this was the first film made by her new husband Joel Cohen and his brother Ethan Cohen. I love this this matchup here. Um, she has definitely collaborated with them in seven other films. Oh wait, and they're and going forward. I'm and sure. And going forward, including her first Oscar-winning performance in Fargo. That was in '96, and then, like we said. In addition to film work, she has appeared on stage. She's done extensive work on television. Um, just such distinct, wonderful characters. I'm obsessed with her. Oh, and in 1988, she received her first Tony nomination. She oh. played Stella in A Streetcar Named Desire, and then she lost that. But 23 years later, she got her second nomination and won for Best Actress um, in this in a play called Good People. Mm. I'm not familiar with. Can't say I know that one. Although... I understand that when she lost Streetcar because that year Marge Simpson just did a fabulous <laughs> Blanche Dubois. I'm glad that six was... of us get that. But what's amazing <laughs> about her, so she's got the Oscar, she won the Tony, and then in 2015 she won a primetime Emmy for the role in Olive Kitteridge, making her one of only 12 women to ever achieve the triple crown of acting, um, which is wow. you know winning a competitive Oscar, Emmy, and Tony. Well, oh, that is impressive. I didn't know. That's actually a lot. I didn't realize 12 people did Can we get her writing it. a song and get her a Grammy and make her like an EGOT immediately, please? You're thinking too, uh, you're getting too specific. You spoken word, you can get that Grammy pretty oh, easily. Oh, wow. She does the novelization of like that, <laughs> of Nomadland. Of course, and she should. Yeah, she did, reads the book for Nomadland. There you go. Wow, that's pretty good. And then in 2018, she won her second Best Actress Academy Award for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. We had like a whole episode talking about that. We, we really sure liked did. that film. And then she became one of only 14 actresses to have won two or more Oscars in the lead category. So this places her along like Meryl Streep, Katherine Hepburn, Betty Davis. Yeah, she's in we're tied for second right now, I think, with three wins. And Well, no, now... That she just won her third. There are only two living actors that have ever won three Oscars for lead acting: her and Daniel Day Lewis. That's pretty good company, man. Pretty Holy good. Cow. Put, the, put I, those two in a movie. movie. Yeah, put those two in a movie like yesterday. Like, what are we waiting for? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Christopher Nolan presents Daniel Day Lewis. Oh my god. Francis McDormand. Oh jeez. <gasps> I don't even want to think about it. I'm going to get myself too excited. Because they both are performers who I think really understand what it means to be human. And they're good in like art house films and independent. They can do like big stuff or offbeat cinema. And it's because they both tap into the inner workings of a character. And especially her, like she can be darkly comedic or do a straight drama. I mean, she always makes the film her own. And I'd say that all of her performances have like one thing in common which is they force you to keep watching so even if you weren't into the film when she's in it 
you're you have to keep watching it. That is what they call burn after reading syndrome because that movie is an interesting thing. But you're watching her in it, and you're like, all right, well, what are we doing? Hundred percent. It's gonna be that, a weird flick going forward. That one is is also on my list. So we're gonna start. We're gonna talk about some of our favorite films that she's in, ones that you definitely have to check out. So I do, of course. I have to mention Nomadland. Of course. We brought it up in our favorite of the year episodes. It was my favorite film of the year. Look at you just nailing it. <laughs> right? It is a lot, you made a lot better award picks than my choice of Eurovision. Well, that's... Robbed. Robbed at the Oscars. Surprising. So after <laughs> the double whammy of losing her job due to her plant shutting down and the death of her husband, the character Fern, played by McDormand, um, sells most of her belongings and purchases a van to live in with plans to travel throughout the country looking for seasonal work. And then along the way, she meets other nomads, which are played in the film by real-life nomads, Mm -hmm. which I love, who provide a support system for one another, and they teach her the rules of survival and self-sufficiency for living on the road. And it is a really, really tender-hearted film about the American experiment, I guess. And I also really love it because landscape is as much a character as any single person who's walking into frame. Oh, absolutely. And I love movies like that so much. And But, you know, she is really just the anchor of the film. And, I mean, every moment, I mean, you'll find her, she's floating naked in a river, she's making a 10-gallon bucket into a toilet. Like, she can do everything. It all feels super, super authentic, and she really imbues Fern's moments alone with true depth. Yeah, you can feel like there's a pathos into her, like when she's sitting alone thinking about her life and stuff in the in the van and stuff like that. You can really definitely feel that there like the emotion going through her. Like you know there's something she's thinking, you just can't quite figure out what totally, it is. Totally. And she always can turn those performances with the, the quiet kind of compassion, really revolutionary. Um and that's why we love her. Her in her gift of providing like these understated performances and with her facial expressions. Like, it's never been better used than in this film. Oh, no. Absolutely. Like, there were all kinds of close-ups in this movie. And if you get, like, an actor who's just kind of deadpanning it, it's not going to work. But then, like, th- like just, like, the way the way you could tell something is bothering her, but she's not going to tell us what it is because why would you? Why are you going to talk to yourself if you're sitting around? Exactly. There's no, like, let's explain where we are in the film. And I, I looked for a clip, and while there are a couple... I feel that they don't reach you as much if you're not just watching the whole film. You kind of need the whole ambiance to go with it. So we just highly recommend checking out Nomadland. Um, I have had people requesting the DVD at the library, so I just want to let everyone know now it has only been released on Blu-ray. There Mm -hmm. is no DVD, so unfortunately if you can't stream it on Hulu, you'd have to just be able to watch the Blu-ray. But, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, guys, in 2021. They're kind of phasing out the DVDs, unfortunately. Yeah, it is really unfortunate. But, but yeah, what are you going to do? We're... Okay, what do you have for us? All right, so, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go right to the beginning. Let's go to 1984's Blood Simple. Yeah. We mentioned it, and we're bringing up the movie debut of a couple of legends. Like you said, Francis McDormand. This is also the first movie by the Coen brothers, which already tells you it's going to be a What a gift thing. we were given with them. I mean, who who knew? Um, have you seen Blood Simple at all? I think a long time ago. I think maybe too young, and I could do a oh, rewatch. Yeah, that's, that's understandable. So she plays Abby, who is a uh, wife who basically spends the movie running away from a like a hitman that her husband hired to oh. kill her, played by M. Emmett Walsh, who is 
all kinds of intimidating in this movie. I mean, the definition of modern neo-noir, like if you think about the Coen brothers with their um, like their crime thrillers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. this one is their very first shot at it, and it basically encompasses everything about their thing. This movie has moments where it is extremely funny. There are scenes of extreme violence that are just peppered throughout this movie. And they do love that. Oh, I mean, this the lighting, the mood that's evoked by it. Um, it's just such a fabulous movie. And for a first attempt, like, it's just amazing what they did. It currently holds a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, wow. which is, like, a very impressive thing to do. And Frances McDormand is, in this movie, even though it's her first movie, she doesn't look, like, out of place. She doesn't seem like a first-time actress in the movie. She's just natural. I mean, she was made for the profession. Oh, absolutely. Like, she seems like she was just walked onto the set and is like, okay, you need me to play a vulnerable wife <laughs> And they here? were like, we're going to put you in so many future movies. Yeah, don't, don't you worry, hon. I got your whole career planned out for you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, it's just fabulous. Um, it's got Dan Hedaya in a starring role, and that's just for the- I can't think of who that is. It's a dad from Clueless. Like, to see him just being... Oh, I a, love that, dude. Yeah, seeing him in a starring role <laughs> is just... You always know the name of the character actors that I never know. I love that about you. Oh, well, thank you. But, I mean, Dan Hedaya, the human Chia pet himself, you can't help but have to know I remember that dude's name. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I'm going to actually check that out again. That's due for a rewatch. Oh, well, go for it, man, because you will definitely have a good time. Although, it's a, it's a midnight movie, so start watching that bad boy at, like, 10 with the lights off, you're going to have yourself a good, relaxing time. Okay, sounds good. Um, the next one we mentioned, Olive Kitteridge, but I, I have to mention this miniseries because it is totally and completely made for McDormand. This was like, the I feel like I, the author writing the book somehow just had Frances McDormand in mind. It's so perfect. So she plays the titular character, a middle school math teacher, but the, you know, it's the movie itself is so much more than that it's like a huge so it's a close and intimate look at her marriage spanning a period of 25 years so it's a really all-encompassing and then it touches on the ups and downs of the couple and their relationship with their close friends and their family their relationship with their son um olive is it's like it's hard to explain because she's this really caring person who like takes care of everyone but at the same time she has got an attitude and kind of hates everyone. Like, can it okay. be that simultaneously? It, for Frances McDormand, it definitely feels that way, yes. It's so good. So I have a little clip of her having dinner with her really sweet and loving and generous husband. Like, I don't oh, know boy. how these two people got matched and their son. Rachel Colson has depression. Do you know what that is? No, not no. really. You should. It runs in our family. No, it doesn't. Henry, you nuts? What do you think was going on with my father? That was a different thing. That wasn't. You never had it, too. Well, not the same. I mean, she had her moods, but... She was clinical, Henry. What's depression? It's bad wiring. Makes your nerves raw. Is that why you're so mean all the time? Absolutely. Your mother is not depressed. Yes, I am. Happy to have it. Goes with being smart. All right, Ollie. We might as well discuss it, Henry. He might have it, too. But you don't think I'm smart? Of course I do. No, you don't. You think I'm average. You are plenty complicated, Christopher. Average is someone like Denise the Mouse. Oh, for God's sake. No, nothing wrong with that. Average people are happy. Are happy, happy, happy. You should try it sometime, Ollie. God, I'm too depressed.
Is that Richard Jenkins? In it that is, movie? and he's lovely in you the did, film because there's such opposites. You did not tell me this was a Richard Jenkins and Francis McDormand project. Right. Oh man, I think I am gonna have to go check this one out. It's really, it's really good. It's a great book, and like I said, it's such a good adaptation. You're like, that is what people want when you adapt books. This is perfect. I mean, yeah, exactly what they want. They get it onto paper. Let's get some good people doing, um, like, you know, important work here. Exactly, guys. exactly. Okay, what else? We're, it's like time ticks by, and I want to name all of her movies. It's pretty so. much. Like, we can, like, luckily, we can just hit, like, the, the big hits because they're all yeah. so varied. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with one that I watched yesterday. I felt like I needed a little bit of light watching, so I decided to go with 1988's Mississippi Burning. Oh, Lord. Yeah, just a little, <laughs> little, little light watch there. You know, nothing too heavy. Oh, you got me with your sour chasm <laughs> there. You really got me. So, uh, by the way, it's an excellent movie. You should watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, so this was her 1988 movie. She was nominated for her first Academy Award for this movie. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I did she not was, know that. Yeah, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, she lost to Gina Davis that year for The Accidental Taurus. So I guess. Mm. I, I kind of forget Gina Davis is an Oscar winner, but yeah. what are you going to do? So this one stars, uh, listen to this cast. You're going to love it. Francis McDormand, Willem Dafoe, Gene mm. Hackman, Brad Dourif, Arlie Ermey, Michael Rucker's in here, Tobin Bell's in here, Stephen Tobolowski's in here. Again, those are all actors that you know who that is by name. I only know by sight. You heard it here, folks. Michelle does not know who Gene Hackman is. We will (laughs) will talk about that later. Shut up. So it's basically, what it is, it's a movie about like the fate of uh, three uh, civil rights workers who get murdered in Mississippi in the 50s. You, you yeah, I've know heard it's on. very very deep, very sad movie. I wouldn't call it sad, but it's definitely something. It's, okay. def- it's a rough watch, but it's also a pretty fantastic watch. watch. She is great in this movie. She's like an abused wife who doesn't totally agree with her racist husband. She's just so sweet and like all-American girl kind of thing that's just kind of stuck in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. You feel bad for her because the whole time she's like... She mentions a part where it's kind of like, why did you end up with this racist guy here? And she's like, oh, you know how the South is. You just kind of marry, you have, you marry the first guy who makes you laugh and that's the rest of your life and you can never get divorced. (sighs) Or you marry the first guy that makes you laugh and you spend the rest of your life wondering why. That's like. And it's hard to get out. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that stinks so much, but it's probably so true in a place like Mississippi, especially if you are a not racist person surrounded by all these people in the 60s. Yeah. Maybe you don't have a lot of options. I mean, you could just see in this role that she was just going on to great things, man. Um, She's not the star of the movie, but definitely one of the highlights of it. But that's just it. She doesn't have to even be the star. No. And like she came on the movie, I didn't even really. Realized she was in it, and I was like, "Oh, look at that! There's there's Frances McDormand looking exactly the same." Being a scene stealer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just such a fabulous movie, man. Go check it out if you, you know, like I said, you want to have a nice, relaxing it, Sunday it, afternoon. Yeah, it's timely enough. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, I'm gonna do two just because I have to quickly mention Burn After Reading. Oh, absolutely. I just do so. She and Brad Pitt team up as these dim-witted gym employees, Linda and Chad. The couple of the year, man. They're just the best on-screen Holy cow, they're so good. They find this computer disk that they believe holds confidential government information, and then in an effort to make easy money, they attempt to sell it. And mostly they need money because Linda is so determined to raise funds for cosmetic surgery. Oh, Richard Jenkins is in that he movie. He is. I was just, just, just going to bring it up. Like, we got really Richard, another Richard Jenkins. And as usual, it is a Coen Brothers film, and then a series of mishaps lead to rash and 
unexpected violence. <laughs> Who knew? It is an excellent dark comedy. It's not a perfect film, but she really shows her comedic skills as this self-absorbed, completely clueless character, and this earned her a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress in a Comedy. And like I said, this this isn't her best efforts with the Coens as a whole. No, not at all. But her performance offers what she can do best, which is a sincere blend of heart-wrenching comedy with a loving understanding of the contradictions and absurdities of what it means to be human. Oh, absolutely. I mean... That's her sweet spot. Yeah, that's what she does. That's what she excels at, man. You put her in that role, just put the cameras on, let it ride. Yes. And then, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, to me, still her greatest film, which is Fargo. Oh, I mean, just <laughs> how we, if you mention Francis McDormand, you got to bring up Fargo. Uh, this film became an instant classic like 25 years ago or whatever when it came out. And it holds up today as not only one of the best dark comedies ever ever made, but also one of the best movies, period. I just recently watched it. It's still fantastic. I haven't watched it in a long time. Oh, you and I'm excited because I'm like, ooh, I am due to watch it and love every second. <laughs> And, I mean, it's one of the best movies, and that is largely due to her iconic role as pregnant police chief Marge Gunderson, who becomes involved in an investigation stemming from this fake kidnapping just gone horribly wrong. And, like, her cheerfulness, like, as she's kind of confronted with this senseless violence to her, like, polite but determined interrogation of this witness, and she's trying to rebuke this murderer and he's feeding his victim in a wood chipper and you get all of these great lines and she just creates a one-of-a-kind character. I mean, she doesn't even show up in this movie for a half an hour and it's only an hour and a half movie. So you Wow, I forget all those things. Yeah, it's like you think that she's in this movie the entire time and she's like really not, but she still is like the huge presence over the entire movie. It's fabulous. This was Joel Cohen directing um, his wife and her first Best Oscar win, which must have been so excited. And the brothers actually won for Best Original uh, Screenplay. Yeah, their first Academy Award. First of uh, many to come, I'm sure. Yeah, and the, the thing is, like, this role could have easily gone in the way of camp. Oh, absolutely. You know? Just with the accents alone. Completely. But McDormand brought that accent in this specific brand of Midwestern to this woman without ever losing her humanity. And that is why this film stands up. Um, I have a clip which just makes me laugh. This is Frances McDormand, and she's interviewing these two young girls that are maybe, you know, can give her some information. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, we both did. She went to college, too. I went to Normandale for about a year and a half. Yeah, that's where we met. But I dropped out, though. Yeah, she dropped. Yeah. So where are you girls from? Chaska. Lesueur. But I went to high school in White Bear Lake. Go Bears. Okay. I want you to tell me what these fellas looked like. Well, the little guy, he was kind of funny looking. In what way? I don't know, just funny looking. Can you be any more specific? I couldn't really say. He wasn't circumcised. Was he funny looking apart from that? Yeah. So, you were having sex with a little fella then? Uh-huh. Is there anything else you can tell me about him? No. Like I say, he was funny looking. More than most people, even. What about the other fella? He was a little older. You know, he looked like the Marlboro Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
But maybe I'm saying that, you know, because he smoked a lot of Marlboros. Uh-huh. You know, like a subconscious type of thing. Oh, yeah, that can happen. Yeah. Hey, they said they were going to the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, is that useful to you? Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, geez. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. You hear that accent there, and you can't help but try to do it yourself. And I guess that's your accomplice in the wood chipper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, somehow if you've missed Fargo, you're missing out on a wonderful film. That is both, like, the worst accent in the world and also, like, one that I so wish that I had. And then you were like, oh, wait, that's real. Yeah, there. Oh, my gosh. That's a real accent that's wild to me. (laughs) That is. That's crazy. That clip was really old, so hopefully it sounded okay. There are just people walking around talking like that thinking it's normal. It's so, it's mind-blowing. Oh, okay, let's do (laughs) just a couple more before we squeeze out. Why don't you do, like, Uh, uh, two? Do, like, a rapid-fire thing Okay. Uh, Oh, obviously you have to go see... uh, 2017's Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, we have an episode on that. You can check back in yeah. one of our older ones. We loved that movie. I mean, as always, it's fantastic. It's one of our best episodes. If you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely want to go check out. Um, 1990's Dark Man. There's a random Dark movie Man? nobody thinks about. I don't even think I saw it. So it stars, uh, well, it's directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, it is stars Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand. It is like a Sam Raimi's take on the Batman idea. It stars um, Liam Neeson basically plays a doctor who creates synthetic skin but gets into it with the mafia. So the mafia burns him alive and he starts using his synthetic skin that can make him look like anybody to get revenge. But he can only stay in the sun for 60 minutes at a time because it melts. What? My jaw is dropped. How have I missed this my whole life? There's like four of them, too. There's like four Dark Man movies. It's (laughs) Arnold Arnold Vosloo takes over for Liam Neeson. Of course, a name that who knows who that is. It's the Mummy Man, but we'll get into it later. Oh, but dude, if you haven't seen Dark Man, if you're looking for some camp, and I'm talking like Sam Raimi to the hilt kind of camp where he's practicing all his Spider-Man tricks, go check this movie out. It is pretty fun. Okay. And uh, 1996 Primal Fear, which again oh, I forgot I just she love was that in that movie. Yeah, she has a very small role in that. Um, but she is very good as the psychiatrist in yeah. charge of a, uh, you know, deciding if Edward Norton's nuts or not. Uh, you want to see a movie where you got Richard Gere, Edward Norton, and Frances McDormand all killing it in one scene? There you go. Still love that movie. It's still still great. Yeah. Surprise. Even even the twist at the end uh, is still uh, great. Uh, Oh, it's a really old film, but still, we'll years. let this one go. It's I a twenty-five-year-old movie, guys. <laughs> the, the, the spoiler thing is almost over. I know. Um, okay, so I just want to quickly mention Wonder Boys. This is a film she never gets enough credit for. I forgot she was in it. Exactly. She plays the the chancellor of a remote Pennsylvania liberal arts school. She's end up. She's having an affair with. Um, this English professor, Michael Douglas, he's like a washed-up literary phenomenon, and she is spectacular in the role. She really captures everything about this woman who's dissatisfied in middle life and ready to blow it all up. I love it. I remember Michael Douglas's sweater gave a great performance in that movie. He was, I just really, that's a really good movie. It's an <laughs> it underrated film. Movie. It is a good movie. We did a whole episode on Almost Famous, but please don't forget how wonderful she is and that when her son walks away to go to a concert into a crowd of long-haired hippies with beers in their hands, she passionately yells out the window, don't take drugs. <laughs> just so. Just fabulous, fabulous. 
So, she also earned an Oscar nom for this movie. Right. In such a small bit. So I, that is great. I can't wait to see what her final tally of Oscar nominations is going to be. It's going to be impressive. It, it I think will it's up end to like up, seven or eight It now. will end up being huge. And then Moonrise Kingdom, everybody's favorite whimsical and pastel-colored film. <laughs> well, yeah, you could say that. Come on, that movie's adorable. It's about these young runaway pen pals, and in it she plays one of the girl, the girl who runs away's mother who is just exhausted. She has this strained marriage to Bill Murray, and she's taking care of these children. Now she's got to go out searching for her runaway daughter. And again, it's a supporting role, but she brings so much humor and weariness to every line. It's so perfect for the quirkiness of a Wes Anderson film, but it also just kind of resonates with mothers everywhere. She is a perfect kind of actress for a Wes Anderson movie. Like, she fits directly she in with fits that. She fits in, and she's just such a scene stealer, and she's not trying to. No. It is just like what she does. Just blend into the background and let the pastel colors and miniatures take over. You're in a Wes Anderson movie, man. Just have fun with it. We love you, Francis McDormand. If you don't know, we love you. You can but come on the show anytime. We will, we'll make room for you. No we problem. will. But sadly, now we're out of time. Jacob, plug us up. So everything that you hear on All Booked Up is going to be available at one of your local libraries. We have 37 branches all throughout Erie County. So stop on by and say hello. You can also visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. Check out your record online, place requests, see what we got, see what programs are going on, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at All Booked Up Pod and let us know what Frances McDormand movie you are checking out this weekend. Yeah, as you should. So a couple more things about her that make her amazing. Here's some like quotes and things that she has said in interviews. <laughs> so firstly, she wears the wedding ring that was originally worn by her husband Joel Cohen's first wife. <laughs> which was this really brief marriage that ended in divorce in the late 1970s. And she explained that huh? she's like, she was being practical and that the ring shouldn't be wasted. Like it existed. So she just wears it. Well done, Joel. <laughs> Saving yourself some quick cash there. I love that. That's amazing. Also in an interview, like a serious... I, I also think that there's a little bit of like, she's just kind of rubbing it in the ex-wife's face. It's like, I'm wearing I don't know. I don't think that's her. I don't think that's even her style. She's just practicality. <laughs> um, in a serious interview, when they were talking about how she she got the part in Fargo. She quoted the fact that I'm sleeping with the director may have yeah. had something to do with yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say like she knows somebody on the movie. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's really funny since she just won another Oscar and she's this huge winner. She has quoted she does not like award shows. She oh, says, you oh, you don't say. I know, you can feel that. At our house, we call this time of year the convention. It's too bad we haven't figured out how to stop it. But I think it will come around because of the internet. I think it will naturally go away. We'll have other ways to gather. It's not going to be this stuff. The shoes hurt too much. <laughs> there I, it is. You know what? I feel like she was inspired by Anthony Hopkins this year when he didn't, he, he wasn't there and couldn't do the Zoom thing. And she's like, why I did I not think I of that? I could be home in bed. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.